Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, Magician fans? Today we're talking about Episode 3, Divine Elimination, and we have a very special guest. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin! What is this choice? <laughs> it, it was our guest's choice, which you can ask oh, yeah. about in a second. <laughs> What's up, fans of The Magicians? Today we're talking about Episode 3, Divine Elimination, which is a very amusing title once we actually get to what that is. Um, my name is Carrie Lane. You can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. I'm joined by my awesome co-host. Hi, I'm Adrian Snow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow. And that's M-S-E-D-R-I-N-S-N-O-W. And we have a very special guest with us via Skype today. We have none other than the awesome Penny Arjun Gupta. What's going on, guys? Hey. Woo! <laughs> Welcome. So let's, dive into, let's dive into this music choice, huh? Yeah. Um, Adrian was a little surprised by you. So wh- why this song? <laughs> uh, it's just a song that I actually was blasting this morning as I went to go work out. And it felt appropriate because the lyrics are, where are you now? Which ah. felt like. A very appropriate moment based on this episode. <laughs> That's fair. That's Absolutely. True. <laughs> so true. Um, so we'll just kind of uh, talk about the episode and uh, also have questions for you. So feel free to chime in at any moment if something comes up and you're like, hey, wait, this thing happened or whatever. Sure. Um, so at the beginning, we start off, we have Elliot and the squad. We've been calling them the squad, <laughs> or at least I have. Uh and then Elliot's kind of, and all of them are like, let's revel in our magistry. And, uh, but Elliot starts getting some visions and is kind of paranoid. And now, Adrian, mm-hmm. did you figure out what it was right away? Yeah, that he sat down. He knew it was a chair? Yeah. Mm. I figured it wouldn't be the wine. That would be a little too convenient because that's kind of mm-hmm. a common thing. But yeah, I figured it was the chairs. Yeah. Um, but then we get Quentin who figures out that there's a curse, but obviously, you know doesn't figure out what it is exactly soon enough no <laughs> sits yeah. down and then i wrote down poor penny because you figure well, it out real fast yeah i mean it's it's a uh, another instance of penny being stuck in a group of idiots and yes. having to be um, the adult that he doesn't i don't know that he really wants to be but mm-hmm. keeps getting thrust into this role yeah yep he seems like the only sane one well, I mean, it times. starts. I mean, he, you know, he doesn't. He, he's kind of just like, what are we? What are we? What are we doing here? Why are we? Why are we sitting on thrones? We got a beast that's still attacking us. Mm-hmm. Are we serious right now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we jump over to Julia and Marlena with the fox trap, and uh, definitely no trust for Martin. Um, what was it like working with uh, Martin? I didn't write down his name, but that actor, Charles. Charles. Yes. Measure. There we go. Charles is great, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I finally had one scene. Well, we actually had a few scenes together because we had the the big battle that comes up later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had one of my first few scenes with Julia throughout this. Two scenes, actually. Mm-hmm. One where I'd pop in. It used to be that every time we looked on the on the schedule, we saw Julia. It was like no one was working, and then it was Stella, and then every other day is <laughs> the rest of us. Um, so it was a strange week that I got to work with Stella. Um, but it was like lovely as well to finally do a scene with her. Um, that scene was fun because I mean Charles is a great guy. He's a, a a vet when it comes to you know the genre sort of TV. Mm. You know he did a lot. He did all of his own stunts. Maybe not all of them, but he did a lot of his own stunts. Oh, wow. Um, he didn't get thrown into the rock, but, you know, he flew back himself. He does flips. He's, you know, he's quite the dude. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Nice. Actually, speaking of stunts, how many of, do you try to do as many of your own stunts, or do they I, kind of restrict you, or what? Yeah. No, I mean, I fight to do all of them, and I'm never allowed to do most of them. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a fun one in episode five. Um, 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That they get, they, I get to do some, I get to do some wire work throughout the season, which was really fun, and that Ooh, got to be nice. me. But they're very protective of us, which I guess I appreciate. But you know, they're I looking try out. Some shit sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> sure. They're just looking out for you. Yeah, insurance. Yeah. Insurance. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, you and Fenn, Elliot's wife, are trying to figure out... I wrote Fenn. Fern? Fenn. Fenn. Fenn, thank you. Fenn. I wrote Fenn. Yeah, and you guys are trying to figure it out. Uh, what's it like working with her? Because she's been kind of a character that's gotten much, a little bit more screen time this season. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brittany had a tough job because, you know, there was a different actress that played Fenn at the end of last season. And then mm. um, she went on to do something else and... Um, we were fortunate that Brittany came in because Brittany's been a lovely addition to the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's always tough when you're coming in and, you know, someone else has made some choices that you're kind of stuck with. But um, not that they're bad choices, but just that, like, you, you're you a little bit limited. But she's done, um, yeah, she kind of came in and she just kind of fit in right with our vibe. And, and um, you know, Fen becomes a pretty important character throughout the season, mainly to Elliot. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. But that the foil that she allows for Elliot's character is really lovely. Nice. And then um, if any of you are watching live, feel free to join in the chat if you have any questions for Arjun, and we'll pass those on to him. And if you guys are watching this later, please comment down below what you thought of the episode. We'd love to hear from you. We're fans just like you guys. Yeah. 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 And, oh, you are excellent on Twitter. Good job, by the way, um, Arjun, of, like, talking with the fans. Um, Is that tricky, live tweeting with people? Um... No, I don't. I don't think. I mean, I'm fortunate. I have to watch the episode beforehand because I'm buried into the computer. Mm. Like I try to, to. I try to get to everyone. Mm-hmm. So if I was watching for the first time while I was tweeting, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've actually seen through ten actually, mm-hmm. which is lovely. Um, I'm saying lovely a lot tonight, which is not normal for me. But <laughs> Word something of the about this. It's something all right. about this. You know, midnight dimly lit office I'm in right now mm-hmm. is bringing it out. That's all right. Uh, a couple people in the chat, and actually myself too, uh, they commented that they didn't realize it was a different actress, so I guess she's doing a good job of kind of portraying her enough that we all, were. everyone's kind of like, oh, okay. Well, good. Yeah. Oh, but just the other thing about tweeting that's been fun is I grew up sure. in theater. You know, theater, mm. is my, um, theater is my home, and so live tweeting has been kind of this I was surprised to find out that it was a facsimile almost of that immediate interaction between audience and artist mm-hmm. um, that you get in theater. It's not the same, obviously, at all, because you can't like you can't read them and then shift to, with the audience like you mm-hmm. can in theater. But it is still um, nice to feel the reaction as it's happening. Yeah, very cool. That. Good point. Um, oh, then we have Marlena. Um, I wrote down. Marina. 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 Why do I? I don't know why, for some reason, I keep wanting to call her that name. Marina. Uh, I wrote down once more with feeling, because she was doing it wrong in musical. Anybody? No, okay. No, Just yeah, me. I get it. No, no. <laughs> I get it. And then uh, Martin and Julia are there. Um, he takes her to the park, and he's like, uh, no, we're just going to hang out here, because mm-hmm. Fox is going to sense you. And uh, But then our bait leaves. Would you have stayed, Adrian? Uh, Maybe I'll peace out. I'm done. No, I wouldn't have even done the spell. I would have been. Right. I wouldn't yeah. have been about, about that life because. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. he slaughtered a bunch of people and then raped Julia. I'm not gonna, not gonna tangle with that man. But no. I guess I understand mm-hmm. her decision to help, and I felt really. I mean, let's not let's not sleep at that. That that's a noble move. That that's she an made. incredibly noble move. Oh, for yeah. sure. I'd be all peace but out. I, nope. I yep. definitely couldn't have done it. <laughs> like I definitely don't think I would right. want to get in, wrapped yeah. up in that. Uh, and then we have the quick little bit. We have Margo and Quentin and the Keiko demon. And I was like, what a waste when they're all fighting <laughs> each other. I was like, 
Oh, that's so short. You get one shot. And then uh, Penny comes in and tries to stop them, but not. I, I'm pretty successfully at stop. I get to oh, shoot yeah. somebody in the ass, which was definitely one of my favorite moments of the entire <laughs> Yes. <season. laughs> yeah. How was uh, shooting that overall? Like, what was that? It was a- I mean, it was really technical, obviously, because yeah. I'm not shooting anyone in the ass. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was still really fun. You know, we had these crazy, I mean, Ellie Smolkin, who's our DP, had to do some, you know, we do a lot of stuff that's practical. Mm-hmm. So the only part of that that was VFX was the smoke above us, you know, mm-hmm. which obviously was a big part, but a lot of the light stuff that was happening was happening, like, practically in Ellie and and. Uh, his camera department and, and the electric department and those rigging guys, they did a great job coming up with, you know, creative ideas of how that, like, flash of light could happen. And mm. then, you know, you know, me and Jason got to throw ourselves back. And, you know, sadly, there was some improv stuff that me and Jason did after he makes a stupid line of, uh, no, as Quentin, not as, like, what the line's mm-hmm. actually stupid, mm-hmm. but the stupid line of, uh, you could have shot her in the karate. Yeah. It's right there. We had some fun in pro. So we, we, should have, we had a really good time. I mean, it, it's hard not to have fun with a scene like that, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm trying to, I'm blanking on the moment right now, but someone in the chat room asked, why didn't Penny get a demon? I did get a Keiko demon. Okay. I released my he Keiko really demon. Scary. Yeah, he does do it. So, yeah. chat room, that's guys, how, come on. He used stops. it, too. Listen, I don't fault anybody for missing shit during this episode. This episode was packed it's with a lot of yes, stuff. Yes, there was uh, a lot. This was a huge... When we all read the script, we were just like, whoa, this is a big one. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, if you've seen the episode, you know where it ends. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was kind of... Um, I thought it was a really risky choice, to be honest. To be honest, I thought it was a really risky choice to have this big, like, t- you know, first act to be all about this throne thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it was. It turned out to be such this lovely, light-hearted kind of com. I hope, comedy, and like funny piece to then, really kind of lull you into a false sense of security before, you know, the big people die. Yeah, and it was comedic. It. Yeah, the, it was, very it was funny. a nice kind of just comedic touch, and we kind of already knew that that seed was planted from the episode before. So, mm-hmm. uh, to have it touched on now, that would be the thing that would stop them from getting to where they need to get to with the beast. And, and in terms of timing, of it timing out with them catching Reynard at the exact same time, I think yeah. you know it makes sense overall in the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then we also interesting in the chat. Um, I don't know the first name, but we have uh, McAllen says he's part of the effects team, and he says Arjun. He says he follows your feed uh, to get the audience feedback too, and he's uh, working on the effects for the finale right now. And it's crunch time, lots of late nights, but seeing great reactions make the hard work worthwhile. Oh, how cool! Yeah. yeah. Do you guys Just have, those guys? Do you get to interact much with any of the posts? I mean, not normally, but um, is there any sort of like? Hey, how's it coming you know, along? Or yeah, I mean, I, I made it a point to like try to at least shake hands with everyone mm. that works the show in some way and capacity. Um, you know, in post in LA, I've touched base with as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, we've switched up a, a few of our posts from who we were last year, so hmm. um, and some of that I'm not. I got to be honest, some of that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone in Vancouver, I know very intimately. Um, and most of the people in LA I've at least tried to say hello with because to me we're all in this shit together you know mm-hmm. it takes a huge village to make this so mm-hmm. um, yeah it's it's really important to me to, to, to meet everybody that's very cool uh, then we have uh Julia, Mar- uh, Julia Martin, and you know why? Because or how they're going to get Renard is why don't you follow the bait home? Mm. Oh, that was so creepy! And he's like, I knew, but then Renard is there, which I like how um, Marina. I was going to say it wrong again. I was. <laughs> I like how Marina locks herself in. And he's like, so you just locked us together in here, and you're like, oh, creepy. How, how good is my boy Mac Aston, man, is Reynard? Oh, God. <laughs> so crazy. What's, and, and what's crazy about that is Mackenzie Aston is quite literally the sweetest, nicest human being you will ever meet. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, hands down, a gem of a human being. And, um, yeah, I just love what he's doing with Reynard. It's like, you, knowing him and who he really is and watching this happen is even more fun for yeah. me. It makes sense, though, because when you first meet his character, I'm like, oh, I really like him, and I really want to trust him, and, like, he's good, 
but then you know shit you mean happens. As Richard. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you first met his character. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Back in um, season one, and so I think that's good testament of his acting that like just what he's done and how he carries himself and the character and the writing itself. Because then you're just like, oh, he's creepy. <laughs> you just see him and you're like, oh, skin crawl, run away. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of nice because I think if they had picked an actor who's kind of known for being a creep. Then yeah. that's kind of overrides everything else. Am I wrong? Am I mm-hmm. crazy for thinking that? Yeah. But when you pick somebody who is kind of like in real life a nice guy and is probably played majority of the time nice guys in his life, having them do that that flip and that switch, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It, it's it's still like just as like cringeworthy, but it it doesn't make you immediately completely write them off. I feel like. Maybe I could be wrong. No, I think it's mm-hmm. good. Uh, that is something unfortunate sometimes when an actor has played a, a bad character before, or if they constantly mm-hmm. play, like, the bad guy or bad girl, mm-hmm. and then when you see them again, you're just kind of like, well, they're probably going to be the bad guy. Yeah. And it's like, no, this guy didn't expect that it at all. It was a nice twist. And yes. then watching him, like, play with her finger before he, before he eats it, it just, ugh. That's mm. a great choice. I hope that was, like, his own personal choice because it was perfect yeah yeah uh and then arjun we have a question from the chat uh they like to uh james says he'd like to know how uh it's different for you to play penny now as opposed to last season and he said it Mm. seems like uh your penny's in a different place emotionally and personally from last season yeah i mean i think one i'll just i'll start with that latter part um Mm. yes penny is and that was important to me um when it was really important to me to honor the trauma of losing your hands and then also the trauma of that, you know, he, his, his tough guy veneer gets pierced pretty, pretty sharply mm-hmm. by that, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that it was important for me to show just how terrifying the beast is, you know. I mm-hmm. think that um, the beast is still the through line through these first three episodes of what's driving these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously Penny also is trying to get his hands fixed, but in order to save his life from the beast because, mm. you know, this is a life or death situation. So you are starting to see, hopefully, um, Penny being in different lights and, you know, Penny being reliant on people. And you're basically seeing Penny in a more vulnerable space than he's ever been. And he's not comfortable with it. And I don't think he knows how to handle it. And mm. so uh, it's coming out in, um, you know, a Jackson Pollock sort of way. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um at least that was what I was trying to. That was what I was aiming for with my crafting of it at, um, through the first three episodes. You, you see more of Penny start to settle back in, but it, yes, he's a changed person. I would, I, you know, he has to be based on what happens. Um, but for me personally, um, you know, coming into the second season entirely has just been really fun and, and liberating. I mm. think you know, you know, through the first season. You know, all of us were experienced, but none of us had been series regulars like this on a TV show. And I think that, you know, the show itself was a first season show. Like your second season, you're not rookies anymore. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, even just the little stuff of knowing Vancouver, knowing your routine in Vancouver, um, knowing the people, because we were blessed to have most of our crew come back. um, All that stuff kind of came back in. It just like felt more seamless. We all felt a little bit more. just could play a little bit more. And uh, and then we as an ensemble, we all knew each other another year better, so our chemistry was even deeper. Hmm. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. Very cool. Actually, uh, kind of picking up, backing off that, uh, Helena in the chat asked, um, they, uh, she said, I'd imagine it's the hand tidying's hard enough. Was it extra difficult to do the uncontrollable version? Um. You know, actually, no, because we, we just choreographed that even more specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, that was still just as choreographed. It, the first, actually, and the fourth episode as well, um, there's a really, it's a beautiful opportunity for me to get to play with some, like, physical acting. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to see a lot of that in the third, you know, with the crossbow and all of the stuff that happens. And um, in the next episode, you're going to see a lot more, actually. Um, and so that's just been, like, a really fun opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of like practice that and and show what I can do from that standpoint Um, so no the tutting is pretty difficult to begin with and and having it being uncontrolled is yes there are more elements and you know there's more to practice but it's still just as choreographed and 
you know, again, I'm going to take the opportunity to shout out to Paul Becker and Kevin Lee, our amazing choreographers and teachers um, that, are, you know, are with us step by step. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I know the Tutting, we've, we've all commented on how this season has had even more of it, so it's been awesome to watch. Well, it was also cool that they took, you know, and, and this is, goes to show the, the just the breadth of talent that is on this show when our designers, you know, go back and they're like, how can we add to the show? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. Paul and Kevin, you know, like, okay, we're in fillery now. So, you know, the tutting should be, it should feel different Mm -hmm. now that we're in fillery because now we're at the home of magic. So is tutting going to be different? And so you're seeing more extravagant, you're seeing more, um, um, uh, what's the word where it's more pieces to the thing there's like it's just more uh, articulate no elaborate thank you elaborate thank you more elaborate um, and more magical hopefully tutting yeah. is it easier now after doing the first season the tutting is it coming more naturally um, for you yes and, and no. the rest of the cast mm-hmm. I'm sorry I said for you and the rest of the cast um, well, I won't speak for the rest of the cast. Um, you know, everyone has a different relationship with Tutting. Um, <laughs> if, you have, if you have the pleasure to talk to Summer, she'll have a very different reaction than I do. Um, Penny doesn't tut a lot, yeah. to be honest. Mm. He never really has, but mm-hmm. um, they've been really good. I played violin since I was three, and so Kevin and Paul have been really good to tut, like to choreograph according to my strengths. Mm. Uh, and as they've learned, they've know okay he does this better so let's choreograph within this in mind so in it naturally does get easier because they're making it easier for us nice well that's very cool it's yeah. a great idea on their part um and then we get to the probably one of the funniest like crazy scenes in the ep- well a crazy bit in the episode is uh when penny and fen uh versus the squad with the <laughs> different shots of the potassium chloride and the adrenaline mm-hmm. and i just loved your kind of like super high energy like okay this is the plan and this is what we're gonna do that was just how fun was that scene to do of like trying to get that done it was the best (laughs) so fun um and john scott who directed this episode did a fan like uh he created just a beautiful environment that day and and actually every day he had a really tough episode john scott had a tough episode and he came in and he was wonderful um, but this day was, um, and just like the way they filmed it, the way they blocked it, we got to get a really organic flow into it. He had a really specific plan for what he wanted. Um, so we just got to play. And that scene is so fun. Um, and it's really fun to watch, too. Um, yeah, we, we had a blast. Yeah, it looks like a lot of physical comedy, which is always, I think, like a gift to give to actors when they can just kind of do non-stop physical comedy with other actors and with themselves yeah. even with like Margot sticking herself with the pen and that kind of stuff yeah. you know yeah. I find pleasure yep. in watching that and so and it felt like theater for us you yeah know? And, and a good majority of us in that on that show especially I mean actually the three guys both came from theater mm-hmm. you know Hale Jason and I um, so that was really um, just a lot of fun and then I you know one of my improv lines actually the the this is um yeah, that, yeah, that's what I was planning. That actually, <laughs> yeah. that actually got to stick in, which was fun. Nice. Yeah, that was so fun of everyone just trying to stab each other and like, wait, we need to get the adrenaline, or if we're gonna get that in time, but everyone is okay. And then Alice <laughs> let her Keiko demon go because she didn't want to keep it and felt right. it moving. And you're like, ah, oh, another one wasted. Yep. <sighs> Man, that was frustrating. Were you frustrated at all finding out all these like awesome? No, I wasn't. No? I mean, the moment from uh, episode two when he said, you know, you only get one try, I was like, well, <laughs> that's not going to go well. Uh, and then when they all ended up getting possessed, I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably going to be the first thing that goes. Yeah, so I wasn't surprised. But going off of my prediction from last week, I kind of already anticipated that things were going to go awry. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, the we kind of talked about it a little bit, but we have the meat of the scene. Mm, pun intended with Renard and uh, Marina with give she's kind of, I like how she gave him attitude yeah it's like no nope, at least she kind of held out to the end as much as she could but oh the cat mm, I knew it I was like he's gonna kill the cat so sort of kill I her. was sitting next to my black cat uh, with her blue mm. collar <laughs> like, mm. I was watching that and I was like 
Oh man! Last oh. year it was the rabbit. This year mm-hmm. it's the cat. Can I get and a year? And cancer puppy. And cancer puppy. Can I get a year Ugh. without a dead animal? Cat was war, and and this was even cat. more visceral, like nasty. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I mean, I'm sure the VFX people added to it, but that cat, the Inside Out cat, was a prop. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That right. was not VFX. That was a. That was a. I a, know. It was. Pat so O'Brien, gross. if you're watching this, and your amazing team, shouts. Oh my god! And then at the when it's sitting in her lap, and you could hear it meowing, and you can see it breathing still. <laughs> oh, and the heartbeat. Ooh, that yeah. was so gross. That's very good. Yeah, excellent. I mean, I was actually good effects, watching this episode thing. with my mom, and she was not pleased during that part. She was like, <laughs> oh. "Oh, I don't, I don't want to." <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there. I'm tweeting. I didn't even know what was going on. I was just like, "What?" <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, Ma, you're not gonna like that. Yeah, you know that whole that whole point, the time with him and Marina, with Reynard and Marina, was just it's it's something that the show does really well. It does that gruesomeness without it being kind of Game of Thrones gruesomeness, where it's to the point where you're like, this is just too much. Like mm-hmm. it's, I can still watch and be uncomfortable with it, mm-hmm. but still like I'm not gonna, you know. There's an, a you know a giant article about it the next day about being like that was just too much like okay that's the cat well I mean oh. in terms of like how Game of Thrones when oh it yes gets, yes yes sorry the violence gets so extreme so not to say that it's good but I do appreciate that there is a kind of like understanding of people's limits when it comes to to television violence well, like, I, to a certain extent I'd also I say know. any pet owner is also just cringing there oh too. yeah man mm. this is no fun. Uh, <laughs> like, but then we have that's when Martin. Oh, sorry. If you're gonna talk about though, I mean, I think that's what the truth is and what they're trying to do. Um, and hopefully, we succeed at it. Is that you know that there's real darkness out there. You oh know, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. art is, and so um, you have this these fairly innocent people trying to navigate a world. I mean, the, these six characters are, are children. Yeah. You know. For all intents and purposes, they are children. Mm-hmm. And just the way that most, you know, in their 23 to 28-year-olds are still children. Um, um, and, you know, I'm barely outside of that range. Um, they are innocent people trying to walk in a world that has a ton of darkness. And so, um, yeah, letting Reynard go there is really... Um, it's a big risk. It is a big risk for TV, but I think an important one. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I mean, it, it, in terms of of what he did to Julia and how that plays into mm. her quest to get him now and how yeah. that also plays into, you know, the the squad's quest to get the Beast, how that ends up coming to a head. And I, I can't say that I, I blame Julia for, like, grabbing after you, you know, or I can't. No, it, yeah, it, it's I mean, just like a, a conflicting thing because I want her to get her vengeance, but I also right. want uh, the the group to get the beast, and it's like uh, I just mm-hmm. wish. I mean, yeah, it's it's a strange thing because you have vengeance and and, and hopefully righting the wrong, right? That's the emotional feeling behind Julia's quest, and for mm-hmm. us, it's survival, which is different, you know. Yeah. Um, this is like when you're watching, you know, Planet Earth, and you're seeing you know, the snake trying to attack the mouse or whatever. That's mm-hmm. what we are with the beast or whoever's who in that analogy. I lost it entirely. But with <laughs> Julia, it's so much more emotional. Like, I, you know, it's hard not to root for her. In, you know what I mean? At least, and for me, and I'm in mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, you know, the beast kills Penny. I don't have a job anymore. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm still rooting for Julia. <laughs> right? It's like, well... Yeah, talking about the darkness in the world, uh, have you encountered it much where, um, you know, when Magicians first came out, a lot of people are just like, oh, it's like Harry Potter, but adults. But then people watch it and they go, oh, no, this is much darker and deeper. What kind of reaction are you getting from people now, uh, now that they've actually seen how the show deals with dark subject matters? Um, You know, I think that was beautiful that we set an expectation, which is beautiful because now we have to match it mm. um, but I think that through the first season you know people now know what to expect you know what I mean people right. aren't like I don't think anything I, I don't think anyone's surprised that we went where we've gone anymore mm. you know I think people are just like 
surprised what happens, but they're not surprised that we went there. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I'll be honest, I'm not somebody that's that clued into the reaction mm-hmm. because I follow like what hits me at Twitter and that's it. I don't like to read the reviews. I don't like to, I don't, I don't really read anything about the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm not actually the best person to ask about that. Well, I think it, it also kind of calls into what, what Lev Grossman was trying to do with the magicians when he originally wrote it, which it was, it was kind of portrayed to be as like Harry Potter for adults. If the darkness of Harry Potter is about growing up, coming out of childhood into adulthood, mm-hmm. but then I feel like the magicians is about the darkness of adulthood, which is something that I think even as adults, I, we just don't ever really want to acknowledge these horrible things can happen. But do, I think these are stories about the same thing as coming into an adulthood. I just think that like Harry Potter is coming into adulthood in a very like fantasy idealistic world. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think that you know an idealistic world where there's good versus evil. Like even our show presents a more good versus evil than you know Lev's books do at all. Yeah, Lev's books are really like just a bunch of flawed people mm-hmm. that have. You know, you can find like, and that was why the, the why I was so proud of us for going there and showing the the pedophilia that Martin mm-hmm. experienced, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it it humanized the beast in a in a really important way to me as a storyteller because it's it's not just about oh he's evil yeah right mm-hmm. and and we will be doing the same with Reynard in some ways mm-hmm. um, and so to me that's like. That's what's radical about Lev's books is because he takes coming of age in a world because look, you know, in the world of Harry Potter, you you're like a mature adult by the age of 18. They get married like six years later. Like that's that's ludicrous in this time now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's ludicrous. Um, I just I think it's actually I don't I don't. I think it's just a a more accurate and more realistic portrayal of the same story. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I had always only because I've personally been going through that cross of the threshold from like someone in their 20s into their 30s and I felt Mm -hmm. a a shift I felt like okay well if Harry Potter because I grew up with Harry Potter if Harry Potter was talking about that shift from childhood talking about preteen to Mm -hmm. teen and on and and only stopping there so when you hit 20 you're pretty much done with Harry Potter which was how it timed out for me then I felt like The Magicians was more about that time after, where it is... Because I feel like there's more than just those one stage of entering adulthood. It's it's that... No, I agree. Going from that childhood into uh, your 20s, and then going from your 20s into pretty much the rest of your life. It's it's kind of... Like they say, your brain set kind of like sets at what it's going to be at your late 20s. Like That's who you're going to be. Mm-hmm. So I feel right. like that's kind of... In terms of I think, the darkness that I it's dealt with. My critique mm-hmm. of Harry Potter is that they do 20 years of growth in seven years. Okay, I see what you mean. Mm, okay. So that by the time you're 18, you're at where in the in the magicians you are where you're like 33. Like yeah. Quentin gotcha. doesn't mature until the age of 30, 35, yeah. you know what I mean? And like the rest of the characters as well. Like yeah. that's the third book. Like that's yeah. where they are. You know, and, and we start in, we've just truncated that from like 23 to 30 you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't yeah. know how I don't know where we're going, but you know I kind of forget what happens the rest of the season. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's just you know it's a subtle thing that I think about with mm-hmm. this show, the difference between Harry Potter and and magicians. And, yeah, and actually uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, actually I was going to say personally um, when I was starting to read the book, I um, it made sense some of the behaviors that the show characters had. Because I'm like, oh, they're technically teenagers in the book. They're, like, going into college um, area. But I felt that I liked that the show was them older, of them going more into grad school. Because then, me, personally, I could relate to that more. And there's so many shows with, like, the young teenagers. So it's been kind of a breath of fresh air that Magicians is kind of the young adult, but more like mid to late 20s that there aren't tons of shows with that age range. Because let's be honest uh, we're emotionally stunted in a real way as a society and as a Mm -hmm. world so Mm -hmm. like you know 18 year old behavior is still happening in your mid 20s I mean just walk around Murray Hill 
in mm -hmm. New York. Mm -hmm. Like walk around and like walk around the Sunset Strip. Like walk around any city, and you're seeing people in their mid twenties acting like you know what they did still when they're seventeen and eighteen. Like mm -hmm. there's a there's a real arrested development in our world. You're seeing people in their forties. Yeah, you're seeing people in their seventies running I running mean, the country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right, yeah, yeah, we're gonna go down this path. <laughs> Um, no comment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, do you, how is it playing then on a show where it, it does kind of showcase that other part of life compared to a show? I mean, you wouldn't necessarily be playing a 17 year old, but you know, like, um, do, do you, at this stage in your life, that makes you sound so old. I'm sorry. Um, do you like okay. playing like this age range of a show like these young adults versus like another show where they're like, oh, surprise, they're 15 and 16? Well, yeah, because we get to deal with characters here. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I want to play everyone, you know? Yeah. So yeah. The fact that they're, you know, a flawed human. I just want to play humans, you know? And we get the mm -hmm. opportunity mm -hmm. on the show. And, and, and we as actors fight continually to make sure that happens. And the, and the writers are very good at you know, holding space for that with us is they're like that we want fully fleshed characters that are really like going through stuff and really have consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, you know, the risk with um, a show that has so much happening to it and has so much at a time is that the consequences don't play out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, we get to ensure that that does and the, and the writers are conscious of that, you know? So, I don't. I would play a fifteen-year-old too, as long as it was a human, you know, and mm. not just like a cartoon. Like yeah. I don't. I, that's all I care about. That's a good point. Too many shows take young people and make them just characters rather than like a multi-dimensional person that they are. Yeah, and most shows are about plot, and they're not about characters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say, speaking of characters and consequences, um, we kind of left off where. And you kind of mentioned this earlier, how you come in and you get to interact finally with Stella for the first time and grab Julia, and mm -hmm. um, but then bring bring the beast to the fight, but Alice misses. Mm -hmm. um, but then when you go to drop Julia back off, she takes off the bracelets. Now, Adrian did have kind of a comment <laughs> question last week oh, no. about the bracelets. No, I thought it was a good <laughs> question. All I right. wanted to know how you felt about the the chains on your wrist. Because <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I had I had weird reaction to it when I saw it happen. I was like, mm. <laughs> like I just kind of I don't like know. a racially political way. Yeah. Yeah. If I can um, quote her, she kind of was saying it was a little bit genie esque. Yeah, it kind of it kind of just it, I don't know, in a racially politically way, it struck me in a certain type of way. And I just was curious as to how it struck you, right. but Um, you know, I thought that it was fun for Penny to address that very quickly from like it feels like I'm getting busted sort mm -hmm. of way. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I did not take it in a racially political way yeah. from that standpoint. Um, I didn't think about it that way, um, but I can totally understand why someone could mm -hmm. or. Um, but I think there's a huge difference in that once they once the ritual is over. Mm -hmm which became a space of intimacy and it became less yeah. about her tying me up than it became more a much more of a, like an S&M sort of thing than it did necessarily any sort of like power dynamic mm -hmm. even though S&M has a power dynamic also, obviously but like there's a but there's know, a healthy aspect to the power yeah, dynamic yeah there was the power like, dynamic mm -hmm. you want mm -hmm. yeah you know mm -hmm. I mean? and then afterwards i mean uh, the chains are not tied together you know what i mean yeah so for me um that's kind of like the big difference in mm -hmm. that sort of situation for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, going back to the other episode, what was it like filming that pseudo S&M scene? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then actually off of that, um, some people mentioned in the chat room, bring it up again. Um, you've been rather shirtless and naked this season a bit. How has that been? Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of par for the course for me on this show. <laughs> um, you know, that's I mean, it's kind of. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, I really don't know what to say about that. I mean, yeah. it's a good it's a good motivation to get to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But I did an interview once, and they were like, "Do you just like want to eat mac and cheese all the time?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm shirtless on TV a fair amount, so no, yeah. I just <laughs> I don't eat that." 
Well, you um, rock it well. The open vest and uh, open shirt thing has been a good... I, it actually is a very fitting wardrobe for Penny, of mm-hmm. like the kind of gypsy uh, style that I think was yeah. talked about in season one. Um, well, I mean, that's what... I mean, that was like a big thing for... So I want to shout out to Magali Guidashi, who's an amazing costume designer, mm-hmm. and, and her entire costume team, because... I mean, y'all haven't seen it yet, but the work they do with the, the creatures, and I mean, y'all saw it with the Knight of Crowns. I mean, that was an entirely made costume, mm-hmm. um, and we're bringing in creatures from all over Fillory, and, mm. and there are other worlds being introduced, and what these guys, uh, what this amazing team has done is is going to blow your mind um, throughout the season. Um, but, you know, that was one of the things, you know, everyone talks a lot about how different Penny is from, from the, the books, and while I get that, you know, I, there was a, I, I really wanted to keep this essential truth of Penny that he's like, you know, on the edge and, you know, kind of a fuck the man, authority hater kind of person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in the books he made, you know, Lev wrote that as, as a mohawk dude with like a di- like studded jacket, which, you know, in Lev's, you know, and I love Lev, in Lev's weird mind, that is edgy, you know, and he wrote it at a time when that was edgy, mm-hmm. you know, like in the 90s, maybe that was edgy, but like nobody's really scared when a dude walking down the street with a mohawk is, you're just kind of like, all right, what's up, dude? Like yeah. nobody's going to get mm-hmm. scared by that. And so what is edgy at the moment? And it's that thing that you can't predict, like androgyny is edgy, um, you know, like gypsy kind of feel of like what is this person going to do and so that was an important thing that Mogli you know brought and then me and her just kind of like built upon that mm-hmm. is it comfy wardrobe yeah yeah oh man yeah. <laughs> well that's always good yeah no I mean but they but that's I mean everyone's wardrobe is super comfy you know I mean they're they're they take care of us I mean everybody takes care of us so that's never an issue that's always good to hear. So many actors have such interesting outfits at times that you're like, how comfortable is that to wear all day long? Yeah, but if any actor is is, is complaining about that shit, you can send them my way because I'll be <laughs> like, come on, man. You're working <laughs> and there's a warm-up coat for you while nobody else has got – nobody's bringing a crew a coat, so you yeah. can take that shit away from my table. That's mm. true. Uh, I was connected in a different kind of way, but – Get, doing something you don't really want to do. We have Elliot and Margot getting ready to go get their special juice um, mm. for um, Ember for their re-up, but obviously mm. it doesn't. It's not there, and that sucks. And um, Alice and Quentin go on, and they have their emotional chat, which I was going to mm-hmm. say, Joelle would have wanted to jump in on that so much of their little, oh, bonding, and he's like, what, what's it like uh, for Penny and for you, the actor, to see this relationship for Quentin and Alice going uh, within the show and then watching the show. Well, you know, so, I mean, that relationship's really, you know, important. I mean, it's the spine of Quentin's story. You know? mm-hmm. It's the spine of both of their mm-hmm. stories. You know, they're so intertwined. Um, you know, does Penny give a fuck? No. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it's a, um, you know, at this moment, you know, the characters and the way they relate to each other and, and what that's shown, I mean, is really important. And because you see in relationship and in intimacy, you see different sides of people, you know. Um, so Elliot with Margot, mm-hmm. you know, see behind the mask. You know, Penny with Katie in the first season, you see behind the mask. Even to an extent, Penny with Quentin, you see behind the masks. But it's like you see behind the masks through their like over peacocking of the mask, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then with Quentin and Alice, that's like probably the truest intimacy that we have on the show at this moment, you know? Hmm. And so, um, yeah, at this moment, you know, I mean, back in the season, you know, Penny and Katie were, you know, as intimate in some ways, and, and Elliot had Mike for some time. And, mm-hmm. But at this moment in the second season, you know, it's, 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 it's uh, Quentin and, and Alice. Actually, speaking of Penny and Katie, so Penny still holds some feelings for Katie that you can tell us about yet? 
I mean, at this moment, I don't think Penny's got any feelings for anything. He's just trying to survive legitimately. Yeah. Mm. Like, there's no, there's no time to process, and that's another thing that's going on in this, like, in this whole season is that we're constantly in survival mode. So mm-hmm. you have people that are not even emotionally mature, having no time to process, which would be a, a thing they wouldn't even know how to do to begin with. But it, it, time would help, you know. Naturally, yeah. there's some mm-hmm. process that happens when there's time. So it's just it makes for um, it makes for good TV, really, is what it makes for. Because you have people that have no clue what they're doing, completely yeah. no clue, and they're just making choices after choices, and uh, they don't tend to be the healthiest. Right. Mm-hmm. But again, it's good for y'all. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's gonna be, it's <laughs> really good for y'all. Yeah, I feel like that's just living, though. Like sometimes, sure, sure. Sometimes you and have the time to process, but most of the time you're just going, and you know, yeah. if, if mm-hmm. you get the chance. Well, that that is what I would say is part of why we are an arrest, like why we are facing such a dilemma of arrested development in yeah. our world at this time, because no one's no one knows how to carve that time for themselves, you know, because no one no one's really facing the survival. Like most of the people, and especially not the people that are listening to us right no, now, no, not right now, no. are are facing the kind of survival things that where they don't, where they can't carve half an hour a day to process. Like that's not that's not reality, you know. Mm-hmm. We just don't know how to make that choice because we don't we don't put that emphasis on self care. We just don't, like as a people. Sure. Uh, then we have a little bit more, and then the episode's all done. But we have uh, the. Oh, ever- just a small thing happens. Oh, yeah. Next, just a small just thing. Just a small happens. thing. Just a tiny. Well, little actually, thing. leading into that though is we have the Ember and Martin scene, which was like yeah. a very <laughs> fun, childish humor of the essential poop jokes of Defile the Wellspring and. I thought that was such a. I mean, the show's had all kinds of humor, but that was so fun and random. I thought, wow, was that he- if, funny for you to see? Um, I mean, Dominic Burgess is is a. I mean, he's a fantastic actor, and I mm-hmm. I think he's a, a lovely Ember. But I I think that that's actually it's really subversive to me. It's really subversive, you know. And not to add, not to try to add too much depth to our show. Maybe it's not appropriate, but this is how I I'd like to think about it. Um, but. You know, Ember is supposed to be the god, you know, yeah. and he is making poop jokes. And that's like the, it's like the reality we live in. It's like, where are the mentors? Like, where are the guidance? Where are the adults? People? Yeah. Where are the adults? Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, you know, this is a world that like makes a point of talking about that there aren't, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's accurate or not is irrelevant. It's like, that's the message the books try to make. And I, and I'm hoping, but I'm, I'm in, you know, this is my interpretation of the scripts and the mm-hmm. show that I'm on, is that, you know, Ember coming in and only being able to help by making a poop joke, like mm-hmm. that, and then you have these children that are left to fend for their lives. I mean, that's, that's, um, that's, you know, it's funny, but I think it has, to me, it has a much deeper, you know, uh, bent to it. Yeah. Well, it was also, would you agree or uh, disagree that it was what Ember could essentially do to, like, hurt Martin and fight against him because he had, like, no defense yeah. at all. I felt that was just a little bit of a resistance of, like, well, this is how I'm going to totally screw with you. Sure, sure, but it's a completely childish. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw him. He's throwing a tantrum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's still a god. Like, he still has power, you know? So I don't, I don't. I don't agree that I would place any nobility on him. Okay. And I also kind of felt like it, it kind of, if the if the wellspring is supposed to be this this powerful thing and you sure. defile it just to get back at, you know, one person who's pissed you off, I mean, there's a commentary to that as well of just yeah. kind of like, well, I'm going to destroy everything to get back at this one thing. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my feeling about it. It, it was... It was funny mainly because of how the actors played it, but when you really think about mm-hmm. it, then it's kind of like, oh, that's really messed up because mm-hmm. he's a god and he's supposed to be bigger than that, and he's actually like could potentially destroy mm-hmm. all of magic because he decided to make poop joke. Uh, someone in the chat room though asked if can Ember see the future, and then he played it like he set it all up, as if like Ember knew outcome um, of this. Ember does not know the future. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't think so. I was wondering. Good answer. Question. Answer. Um, so then we have the epic crazy battle mm-hmm. and uh, Quentin getting injured trying to help Alice. And Alice misses the previous shot earlier and is trying to do it again. 
And they did have a Harry Potter reference, which was kind of fun, speaking of that. And uh, with the Niffin bit, I wrote, holy shit. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what? Didn't Wait, I- what was the Harry Potter reference? Um, oh, they have one line or something like that. Elliot's, like, Elliot's sitting there and he's like, oh, this is totally Harry versus Voldemort. Part yeah. Six. Yes. Book chap- seven. Uh, part book one seven. And two. Yeah, yeah. One and two. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's just, it was a fun yeah, yeah. meta moment of like, hey, this other thing. Um, Adrian, what do you think of the Niffin um, explosion slash how that happens. Sometimes previously on uh, montages, just oh, that was bad. Up, right? They yeah. just mess things up because then you mess go, oh, okay, now I know how this is gonna. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't surprised that she mm-hmm. she did niffin out. I was surprised that uh, she was able to have like somewhat somewhat of a control over the the niffing out and like return and and finish. Like up I the did beast. this on purpose. Though I don't really think she did, <laughs> but uh, I I enjoyed it because I always enjoy any time a woman gets to have like a, like a super empowered moment. But I also felt really bad because that was a, a major sacrifice, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I guess to that extent, maybe it was done on purpose. Understanding that you know she's going to have to sacrifice herself in order to save everyone else, like and and not even just she's going to die; she's going to become like essentially the worst possible version of Alice mm-hmm. uh, to save everyone else. Yeah, the then she... Oh, the ripping him open, too, Martin, with the mods coming out. was yeah. such a cool visual. Um, mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that fight, Arjun. Um, I'll be honest, I wasn't there. I... I, I Penny disappeared. And oh some yeah, other yeah. You're <laughs> getting Julia out of the way, <laughs> traveling all yes. over the place. He, he's he's got glitchy hands, but you know, uh, again, you know, this is one where this is a team effort. John Scott and Ellie had a really brilliant plan on how you shoot something like that because it's really technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, this had stunts and VFX, and you know, there was makeup changes and there was costume changes for Alice when she turns in from this to that. Mm-hmm. You have. You know, blood, Jason. You have like everything that's yeah. involved, and then for you know, I, I thought the performances were really lovely and and really held the um, the stakes, you know, so that mm-hmm. we could ground that in the truth of it. And I think that you know, it's a huge credit to everyone, um, and not me because I wasn't there. Um, a huge credit to but everyone, or see. or some credit to me by not being there. <laughs> you know, um, but but that they were all able to do such a such a fantastic job. You know, I think that the... I mean, I thought all elements came to play to tell a really powerful story in that moment. You know, the music underneath I thought was really important. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I think that... I thought Alice did... I thought Olivia did a great job mm-hmm. with that scene, which is not a different... which is not an easy scene. I thought Jason did a fantastic job with his, you know... Um, with, you know... Because we we are him as an audience. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we get to react through him and so I thought he held that very, you know, powerfully. And I thought, you know, Margot and Elliot were there to do their role. Mm-hmm. And um, and then again, the technical side of things between, you know, John Scott, uh, Ellie Smolkin, and, and the entire cast, you know, entire crew um, and VFX team. Very cool. Um, any other uh, final thoughts on the episode before we get towards the end? Uh, Adrian, Arjun? Well, I'll let you Anybody? guys go first. Oh. Well, what was your thought on the final? Uh, the final I scene? thought the battle was awesome. I don't think Alice is dead. Or at least she'll come back some other way. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is prediction, but not mm-hmm. exactly. But um, I I think, I don't know if she knew necessarily she'd have to go Niffin, full Niffin, and explode in that way. But she might have because she knew that the her barometer thing was dying. Mm-hmm. So... She might know that that was the only yeah, way to win. Yeah, she knew that was a potential consequence of... Yeah, of she's not stupid, so... Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought having our Marina dead was like, that sucks. We can't have our triad of witches now. No. We, ha- we, uh, we had made the joke slash, oh, we want to see Katie, Marina, and um, Julia, Julia all together as a little coven. Out of the craft. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that will still happen. Uh, well, if uh, Marina can come back from the dead, too, but... Filler, I believe it could happen maybe in filler, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought this episode was very uh, jam-packed, and that fight at the end was epic. And like all the other episodes, they end so... It's not quite cliffhanger, but it's like, we're done? No, there's not more? 
Where's the next scene? I mean, it's an abrupt end. Yeah, it's abrupt. abrupt. But they're it's not. Abrupt. You're not quite like, oh my gosh, what happens? Like, I, I'm excited for next week, but I'm not freaking out. I mean, it was. It, I think that's a lot to digest. Yes, the last exactly. shot is Alice's body on the ground, and then it, you know. So I think with yeah. that, and then with Marina and mm-hmm. Reynard on a loose, mm-hmm. and the Beast is dead. I think not being like, oh, what's going to happen next is, is okay because it's just a lot that happened in yeah, process forty five minutes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So then that loose you, Arjun. Any other thoughts on this this episode, the process of it? Um. Any. I mean. You, I guess we this don't felt know. like the, this felt this episode um, uh, felt like we took the show to a new level. Mm. From, like the mm-hmm. filming experience, you know, mm. it felt like we we all found a different groove. Mm. Um, you know, the first and second episode, we were all like loose and had come back in a way that was beautiful. But like, you know, now we were like, okay, this is this is a new space with the show. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, you know, people have been talking about how strongly they felt about the first and second episode of this season and I've been very frank with everyone I've talked to the first and second episode are our weakest episodes Mm. and Mm. so this starts um, you know the next episode four and five are two of my favorite episodes of the the whole season Um, Hmm. and and there's it's um, this is you know Someone said this is like a mid-season finale. Someone tweeted that today. And, and in some ways, it's like, oh, whoa. This is also like the shed. This almost feels like the shedding of the first season and moving into the second season. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It's kind of like, you know, I think on, on television, when a, a main character dies, that, that causes a shift in everyone, you know? Uh-oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that causes a shift and also a kind of a maturity has to kind of fall into place from that. Sure. So I'm curious to see how yeah. Alice's death is going to... Right, kind of. It's going to push us develop everyone. Yeah, 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 and and yeah. I mean, I think that you're going to see people grappling with the emotional consequences of something like this. And and again, you know, without the, the benefit of time or therapy. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. good luck. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh man. Yeah. Um. Well, we're gonna, we have to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't think we really. I don't really have. Do you think Julia's dead? Julia. Uh, not Julia. I'm sorry, uh, Alice. Uh, yes. I okay. Did. Well, let's well, go into predictions. S- like two predictions, then, real fast. Do we have lights now? We're not going. Oh, okay. So we're just going right into predictions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think. Uh, I think Alice is is dead, but I don't think she's going to stay that way. Yeah. I also think you know now it's going to kind of. I'm curious to see how that's going to affect everyone, but I also kind of want to see, you know, how Julie's going to deal with the death of Marina and how that's going yep. to drive her to go after Reynard even yep. more so, or what she's going to do now that she doesn't have the beast. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are going to unfold from these two character deaths. I, I was going to say, I kind of just echo that of, yeah, pretty much of that's what I want to see next. And yeah. I don't I'm... think Alice is gone forever. No, I don't think so either. I don't know how they'll bring her back, but they'll be something. Yeah. Um, Arjun, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, why don't you let people know? Me. Yes. Uh, where where can people follow you online? Um, yeah, they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Arjun Gupta BK. That's A R J U N G U P T A B K for Brooklyn, not Burger King. Idiots. <laughs> um, no. Follow me there, and um, yeah, I'm available. Cool, and yeah, you, uh, if you guys are interested in any of the stuff that uh, Arjun's up to, go, definitely go check out his Twitter account. He posts lots, and it's awesome. Uh, are you still doing the podcast? Uh, I am still doing the okay. podcast. Yeah, we're taking a kind of a bit of a breather as we rework what we want to do, kind of like a small little hiatus to come cool. back, get the creative juices like fresh again, because we were putting out like stupid amount of content. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my theater company, uh, actually, if anyone's out in L.A., we open our show March 4th at the New Collective. Um, oh. I'll have information on my Twitter. Sweet. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah. Next time for season three, you better come in studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay.
Yeah. Um, and uh, so where can people find you online, Adrian? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow. And uh, thank you so much for watching, guys. Give us five stars on iTunes, thumbs up on YouTube, comment down below, let us know what you thought of the episode. Tweet at Arjun, he's awesome. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Arjun. Uh, you guys can find me online at Carrie D. Lane, that's K A R I D L A N E. And make sure to subscribe to After Buzz so you can be up to date on all these awesome shows. Again, uh, comment, rate, subscribe. And we will see you next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.